everyone, and welcome to yet another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is I Need No Name, and today I am joined by Schnitzel. We are recording what should be a special edition of the podcast right after Bayern Munich have just drawn Paris Saint-Germain in the Champions League round of 16. We're recording this on a Monday instead of a Sunday, just so we could react to this draw and also give you the preview to Werder Bremen, which is the other thing that we'll discuss today. So first of all, Schnitzel, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm feeling okay. I had to run, literally sprint on the road to get in time for the podcast. So just a little time. Yeah, yeah. I you you should you should have seen our Slack messages. I'm like Schnitzel, where are you? And he's like, I'm running like Fonzie. Come on, man. And I'm like, just do just go faster, faster, faster. Anyway, so here we are. We are recording. And first of all, first questions first. Schnitzel, what do you think of the draw? Okay, so uh, a lot of people knew that Liverpool was the most likely draw, given that so many uh, German clubs ended up in the second position. But uh, this kind of the storyline kind of feels forced, and that I kind of expected this. What do you think? Like, I kind of expected that. Yeah, it's kind of like I, I. That's that's the reason why when scheduling like the stuff, like I expected PSG to be the most likely draw, followed by Liverpool. Honestly, just just how based on how. UEFA tend to do things. So they have given us two Champions League final rematches from the last few years. So you see Real Madrid versus Liverpool and also PSG versus Bayern. So um, UEFA are really going deep into that, how should I say, that revenge angle for this, this, this year's Champions League draw. Yeah. We'll be facing PSG in the knockouts in four seasons. Yeah, um, four seasons or three seasons. Uh, in, in yeah, seasons. I, guess, I guess you could say four seasons, yeah. Because... COVID season that that felt a little weird yeah anyway so the thing is that like that's why I said to Chuck you make sure that the PSG preview goes out on Sunday because that is going to be one of the ones that I think is going to be the most relevant to us I didn't expect to get Brugge or AC Milan though I would have liked Milan you know we haven't faced them in such a long time I have not seen us play Milan even once in my entire time as a Bayern fan and I would have liked to see that, but I'm a little bit disappointed, yeah. honestly. Like I can't, I, I like can't help it. The the preview and the thoughts of uh, you know this PSG tie is going to be very similar to like the preview we do every single time against PSG. It's the same, you know, star-studded squad storyline, and it's going to be a clash of biggies and you know a lot yeah, of exactly. Uh, matchups and whatnot. It's like literally the same boring thing, and yeah, we're going to say problem, the same right. things like. Hernandez and Upamecano have to be at the top of their game to stifle Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe. And our attack has to be, you know, really sharp. And uh, you know, yeah, it's all very cliche, right? Like, what what yeah. can you say about PSG? They don't have any kind of definitive, defined playing style that you can point to and say, okay, this is how we should break them down. This is what we should do. They're just a collection of superstars. And even now, with all this talent on the pitch right now, they don't have statistics that you would expect to back them up they don't have a high number of quality chances created in the champions league i saw that article by espn fc they do do some good content from time to time and they pointed out that uh, despite esg's incredible quality in attack they do not seem to create too many high quality chances and they rely a lot on their front three to finish what little they create and i saw that games against juventus and juventus this season they are horrible. They are like I cannot express to you how diabolical Juventus have been this season. It's like, and it's like a bunch of trees in Vlahovic. Yeah. I <laughs> trees would play better than Juventus. At least trees don't handball and you know concede goals like that. Like yeah. how should I say it? Like Juventus are just so 
so diabolical. They play football like it's from the 1950s. And even they managed to give this PSG side a little bit of a run for their money. Because I think PSG... It says a lot. when yeah. uh, So PSG's uh, like market worth in terms of like the money they've spent on transfers is over yeah. 10 times that of Benfica's. And they still finish second in the group. And, yeah, and it's, they like, have like, it's like a weird thing around them, right? Then mentality. They have the so called world's best yeah. attack, which features yeah. like Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe. And they still managed to get stifled by Benfica's defense. They still managed to lose points. And I can't believe I, I'm saying this, but like Juventus gave them a run for their money, which is yeah. something, something that, yeah. I, I watched those games. It wasn't like PSG were completely dominant and Juventus for counterattacking. Juventus had no clue what they were doing, okay? Like, Juventus were absolutely flopping like a fish out there, and PSG could not finish them no matter what. It was like watching, I don't know, two clowns fighting. It was not good at all. <laughs> like, I, I, I'll i genuinely tell you this, because you know I watch Juventus, right? I, I do yeah. go to BWRAO to troll them from time to time. Yeah, so watching them, I'm thinking, PSG, what are you guys doing? Because they did not try, and... It's kind of like their mentality thing. They just think they're too good for the group stages and they, they did not try at all. But that also does mean that when they that this team that we've seen so far, they have gotten through to the knockout stages of the Champions League without even breaking a real sweat. And that can concern some people. I can't make a prediction, obviously, for how the tie will go. But like just in general, I'm bored. Of getting PSG, and I'm very much struggling to say anything yeah, that we haven't man. said. Yeah, every, every yeah. tell me. I can just say a few things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Firstly, that uh, PSG former PSG player Chupa Moting will have a huge say in this tie, whichever way it goes. Second, I think uh, PSG's defense is going to have a tough time containing Bayern's attack because Muziala is having a sensational season, and you know, God forbid, all the players they come back intact after the World Cup, which is a huge if. And, you know, our key players like Hernandez and, you know, Sani and Opa. Yeah, that's Mukano, actually like, what I was going to ask you. Like, what do you think is going to be the effect of the World Cup on this tie? Because you think about PSG as well. They have players that will be going to the World Cup and will be expecting to go quite far absolutely. in them, same as us. So yeah, that's going to be, I think, a major factor in this. If we had gotten a team like, say, for example, Brugge or AC Milan, that would not be as much of a factor. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And I also believe that uh, both squads could be affected by World Cup fatigue. And it seems like most of the players in both squads, they do play for really good sides. Like, you know, Germany, France, Argentina. Like, you know that these clubs, sorry, these squads might go deep into the competition. So that means less rest for these players and a higher chance of getting injured. So I don't know. For, from a Bayern angle, it looks really, really sad because I think every single player in the first team will go to the World Cup. Yeah, and not I just the first team. I think a lot well. of our bench yeah. players are going to the World Cup as well. Like, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. So, so that, that it's basically a mix of who returns with more players fit after the World Cup, and uh, you know who turns up during the games. Uh, you know, Nagelsmann has a lot of squad planning to do. He has to manage the minutes and the fatigue. So it really depends on how the players come back after the World Cup. So. You know, I'm just knocking wood and hoping that the players don't come with any injuries. But, you know, we know how that goes in international duty. So I also think there's like a matter of motivation for at least not for our players, but for their players. I think, as you might know, 
Dio Messi, for example, he has a clause in his PSG contract that says that Argentina will always come first for him. So PSG have to make sure that he is fit for Argentina. And if he needs to sit out games for PSG to play for Argentina, he will do that. He's already done that. Apparently, he has uh, swelling in his Achilles tendon that meant that he missed out PSG's last game against, I I don't know who it was in the league, but he did not play that game because he has like a slight swelling in his tendon and he needs to be playing against, um, yeah, so yeah, he's going to be in the World Cup. They play, right. they play I, is Lorient. But who cares? Lorraine, I mean, who it's, cares? It's, it's, I mean, who Liga. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So the thing is that I question like the dedication and motivation of some of these PSG players to really give their all 100% after what will probably be for the majority of them a very disappointing World Cup. Because you think about it, a lot of them are going with some very high hopes. And especially for Messi, it's going to be his final World Cup. And once he's done with that, that's it. He is going to be probably... Like he's probably not going to retire just yet, but maybe in a few years and you probably might be carrying a burden on him if he fails to win it with Argentina. And if he does win it, uh, you, do you think he will have it in him to like, it might give him a boost and he might decide, okay, I'm going to play for everything this year, but it also might serve as like a demotivator, like in the sense that, I don't know, I've already won this. I've already achieved what I wanted to. Now I can take it easy a little bit and I don't know if, if I'm making sense or not with my point, but you I'm just are, thinking how, how, yeah, how the World Cup will affect them mentally as well as physically. Yeah. It, at this point in time, it's all just speculation. But all I can say is that this is definitely the fixture of the, of the round. This is the tie of the round, the must watch two games. You know that, that people are going to say that Real Madrid Liverpool is the fixture. No. Uh, and the reason is because I feel like once Benzema is back, this is very clear to me, at least. Like, I don't think. I, I mean, I know that I feel like, Liverpool might have a chip on their shoulder and all that. I feel like Liverpool have a chance, you know? Like, obviously they, they have they a do, chance. They, they they always have a chance. But in this particular case, I think Liverpool have a better chance than usual because Real Madrid tend to gain momentum as the rounds progress. So facing them early in, early like on, in the round yes, of 16, yeah. that's always better than facing them late, like in the semifinals or quarterfinals. They're always better in those rounds. And but, I also think yeah. that Jurgen Klopp is probably really pissed at them. But yeah. that being said, I I honestly don't, and I think I can just say this: like I don't think Real Madrid and Liverpool, when you combine the quality they have, it really matches the quality that you combine and see when it's PSG and Bayern. I think. But I would say dealing with that, a completely different sort of level of football. Yeah, but I, I would say that play style wise, or at least tactics wise, Real Madrid Liverpool is comparable because. Fine, I think we are at a very high level, but PSG, in terms of play style, they're a little bit stale. Like, honestly, like, I don't know how to describe, like, whenever we face PSG, they don't have any good football moments. It's always individual brilliance for them, right? Yeah, I think it's, it's in this picture, they, they're, yeah, they're going to be counter-attacking yeah, us. I can yeah, tell they're you They're going to be counter-attacking, but they also play a lot like a Spanish team, don't they? Like they do. you know, you know what I mean, right? I, I, I know the I know. diving, the complaining, surrounding the referee, gamesmanship, all that kind of thing. Might and have something to just... do with the fact that most of their players come from Spain. Yeah, they, like do do they? Many do La Liga, some... uh, many La Liga players. Many are La PSG. Liga players, yes. Um, they do have the squad. Yeah, they it's do like... have Renato Sanchez now. Do you remember that? Yes, they do. You Man, think he will play really well for them? I, I think he plays. I think I that, think that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Like, I think he hates uh, us. He is, I think so. Uh, I think 
so PSG's manager right now, Galtier, I'm not sure if you've heard much about him. He's not a big name or anything. But I think he might be using uh, Sanchez in this matchup, you know, and his chip in the shoulder, try and get, give him some additional motivation that, you know, Bayern Munich didn't give you your chance. They didn't give you the opportunity. And maybe you didn't also get to break into the big stage. But now that we are here to do the same, maybe you can impress against your former club and, you know, win us a game yeah. or something. Because that I think might be... after, after, you know, joining or rather uh, in his time at, uh, I think it was uh, Nice, right? Or was it, sorry, it was, uh, uh, which club was he in before that? Lille. Wasn't it Lille? Lyon, yeah, yeah. Olympique Lyon, yeah. He was really good there. And I think... Wait, Lyon? I is... thought he was at Lille. I'm confused. I'm re- I, I don't remember actually. I actually oh wait, yeah, Lille. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so so they won the league, right? That season. Because yeah, they did win the league. league. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's why. Yeah. So he is. He was a very good player at Lille, and after joining uh, PSG, I think the fact that he is a very good, robust sort of box to box midfielder, combined with the fact that he already knows how Bayern Munich play, might give them more incentive to start him. Yeah, because and, uh, it would also like counter our physicality in midfield, like Goretzka yeah. and Kimmich over there, like in the middle. Plus the fact that we tend to overload by using Matraui as an inverted fullback. So they would with, probably have yeah. Marco Verratti and uh, yeah. Renato Sanchez in midfield. Because Verratti uh, is Verratti is nuts, right? He is an insane midfielder. Yeah. So yeah. Speaking about uh, you know scum douchery and all that, uh, I don't want to see Marquinhos and Ramos again, man, in defense. Come on. Like, uh, what, what? Like, look, man, I don't, I, I hate Marquinhos a lot, but I'm just, I, I have confidence in our attack to score, but I don't have that much confidence in our defense because, look, I, I know that Lucas, the last time he faced PSG, Lucas had an absolutely heroic performance, but even so, like, uh, after all these years of Champions League games by Bayern Munich, I, I don't have, I don't have any confidence left in our defense to do anything. Like, Last time against PSG, we conceded like what? What was it? A few, literally a few minutes into the tie. Like within the first four or five minutes, we were one nil down, and because of that, like we never got back into the game. So I, okay. I don't know. I, let, I, I hope let that... me give you my take. Yeah. So I believe that if Hernandez and Upamecano are fit and starting that game or these two fixtures, uh, we will not concede a lot. I think. Our defense. I mean, will how many well are you expecting start. to concede? I think. Like... I think we will limit it to two goals max. Okay, we'll that, that's max. that's very and... across one eighty minutes. Yes, two goals okay. maximum. That is that's... my take. And okay. if Hernandez is injured, we can even lose this tie. That's what I think. If he's out, we lose. Oh boy, uh, he, yeah. he's not the only one. Think about Alfonso Davies or Nusser Matsrai. Both of them are equally important, in I, my opinion. Right I, now, they're they're highly crucial, but. You know, there's something that just happens to us without Hernandez in the back. I I can't quite pinpoint I what think it is. Like it's not as it's not as bad with Delict plays. Like Delict makes up for a lot of it. But yeah, Hernandez, he is like, how should I say? It? He just gets in the way, right? He gets in the way of everything. He never lets it happen. And whatever gets past him, because of the way we defend, it's like several layers deep. You first have Muziala pressing from the front, then you have behind him. Kimmich and Goretzka. Kimmich, Goretzka is in front. He can drop deep and make Kimmich. It's a midfield barrier. Then you have the middle, the first center back, which is probably Lucas or Delict, and then behind him Upa to sweep. So that's how we defend. And based on how PSG like to attack, it's always like one or two passes between Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe. So based on that, we will have to be 
those guys that are at middle of the pitch, they're going to have to be very careful about how they defend and how they... What am I saying? This is, again, falling into we that same to, cliche, right? We're we talking about how Messi we're going to defend. Yeah, we're going to have to... Yeah. We're gonna have to deprive Messi of the ball, right? You you have to keep the ball away from him, and if you do do that, even then there's no guarantee because Neymar and Mbappe by themselves they can make something happen. So keeping Messi out is something that was done excellently in the 2019-20 Champions League season. Uh, that game against Barca, like it was one of the you know best I would player pocketing I, performances. I would argue at- that it was even better in 2012-13 by you, Pankis. I think that that is the early example yeah. of how you stop Messi because Hank has said in like one of his press conferences that you don't stop Messi, you stop the ball from getting to Messi. So they shut down um, like Iniesta and Busquets and all those guys. And that's how you stop Messi. So if you can stop mm. the service to Messi. So basically the idea is to stop the midfield. So Verratti is the most important aspect of that, right? Yeah, I think it's really great that Yozo Kimmich has developed into this amazing defensive midfielder in the past few weeks. Like his defensive duties, is it like really that he's, just... he's developed into it, or he's just regained form because last season he wasn't good at all. See, the thing is, I think that uh, over the past couple of seasons or even more, uh, generally he has been taking that deep link playmaker role and he's just been focused on his attacking part of the game and not as much on the defensive side of things. And he has been criticized for it for like years, I think. You know, back when he was a right back, he was fantastic. But after he became a midfielder, he sort of slacked in his defensive roles. And now that he's he was criticized and he kind of accepted responsibility and now he's come out, he looks far more complete as a player. And he's defending, he's organizing the press, he's tackling, he's regaining the ball, and he's recirculating it. it, it he looks more complete than ever before. So, I would say that right now, what he's doing exactly right now is similar to what he was his role under Hanty Flick was, honestly. Because, or I would say, not his no, I role, think exactly his. Thiago's role. Thiago's role, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thiago's role when Thiago and Goretzka played together. But Kimmich yeah, has not taken the best over. midfield ever. Yeah, yeah. Ever? I mean, I think yeah, I think you Kim I think Thiago, Goretzka and Thomas Müller in that lineup in the Champions League in 2019-20 flanked by Kimmich and uh, Alfonso Davies was it's like arguably... funny because for a time that season Thiago couldn't even get into the side because Goretzka Kimmich was so good. But but I think uh, over time, as the season progressed, uh, and we had Goretzka to got in. Sorry, Goretzka got Pavard injured. Got that's injured. why was, Goretzka yeah, got Pavard injured got and Pavard got injured. So that's why we had. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I and think then, one thing. Yeah. Say. Yeah. No. Just go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say change the topic and ask you what do you think of the rest of the Bundesliga straws? I was going to talk about that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Nice okay. Coincidence. So yeah. let's let's. So are we? It looks very bad. That it, it looks, looks it looks bad, bad for. Yeah. Especially for RB Leipzig, I think they're done. I think RB Leipzig is just gone. I yeah, think, they're done. Uh, so I think Dortmund have a chance. Surprisingly, they have a I chance. Have a I chance would give them a forty percent chance. Yeah, I think I think if Dortmund turn up on their day with like their guns firing, yeah, but I think when, when do they, Dortmund turn really, up? I so so they did in the Champions League so far in the group stages. I was surprised they beat Sevilla. <laughs> to be very honest, Sevilla are completely complete trash right now. So I mean, I know that, but. To. I mean, Dortmund beating a Spanish team in the Champions League, it's still a surprise to me. Regardless, Spanish of teams are terrible this season. That is very true, but that's only this season, right? Usually yeah. Dortmund struggle against pretty much everyone. So I, mean, I feel look, like... They're still struggling in the Bundesliga, so... I feel like they're regaining confidence and I think Jude Bellingham is phenomenal. I think... Yeah, Jude Bellingham is phenomenal, but then they have guys like 
Daniel Malin and yeah. <laughs> those guys in the attack. Anthony Modest yeah. can't, can't who scores against us and gets an assist against us, but he can't I'm, playing well otherwise. I think, but uh, yeah. uh, Yusuf Mukoko and uh, uh, Karim Ademi will have a huge say on whether they progress or not. Yeah, like yeah, I hope so. They have to depend on their youth because I am not. Their veterans are not doing much. Yeah, yeah, but maybe Marco Royce if he's fit, but it's always the youth for Dortmund. So. Yeah, I guess so. And forty percent seems fair. Frank- yeah, Frankfurt. I think I'll be honest with you. Frankfurt, I think, have a chance against. Napoli. I do as well I because as well. I... you know that Spalletti, his teams are notorious for dropping off in the second half of seasons, and and and, and not just that. I know that Napoli has looked like one of the best sides in Europe, and people are saying they'll win the Champions League and whatnot. I feel like that's kind of an overreaction because. Yes, they have great form. They've won like the last yeah. 13 games in all competitions. And they did beat Liverpool 4-1. Like that was a crazy game. And honestly, they looked unstoppable. But they did also lose to at Anfield, number one. Number two, I think their group was not amazing. Like I think it was okay. Yeah, Ajax like, have declined a lot. and A lot, yeah. And Rangers turned out to be the worst team in the history of Champions League. <laughs> of the like, Champions worse, League, yeah. Worse than Victoria Pilsner. So yeah, that just tells Pilsen you something. scored right? two goals against Bayern. They're even better yeah, than Barca. Yeah, they're better than Barca. Yeah, yeah. The thing is that so, Frankfurt, compared to, like, compared to Napoli, I expect Frankfurt to get better as the season goes on because they are not going to have any players going to the World Cup, right? Same as Napoli. So they're going to get a chance to regenerate, recuperate, and then go into the next game with a decent, like a decent amount of, what should I say, rest, form, whatever. But on the other hand, you know that Frankfurt tend to start a bit slowly. So that might be their concern. Whereas Napoli, Napoli, they are going to be at the top of Serie A even then, I think. So they might, you know, they might decide either to prioritize Serie A or they might, you know, just have a little bit of a slip up in the second half of the season because that's what happens. They are not a very experienced side. They are young. They are full of talent. They're playing some of the best football in Europe right now. But if they slip up against Frankfurt, then that is Frankfurt are the masters of just converting those one or two goal advantages into a final win and even making comebacks. They're like a bit of a mini Real Madrid in that sense. So yeah, I think Frankfurt, I, Frankfurt, I Napoli... think have an outside chance of yeah getting through. Frankfurt Napoli is like one of the most perfect matchups in all of football this season. Yeah, so and perfect, it's probably right? a, it's going to be a good game. I think it, like, it, it's, it's one of be the two fantastic fixtures. Yeah, yeah, uh, Napoli, great atmosphere, great everything. They're going to go in all on attack. We know that. Yeah. And, Frankfurt, and Frankfurt as well. They're so like, good at like clamping down. They've allowed the least. They don't shots really park the bus the though. They, they kind of they have that gegenpressing pressing target approach that is really entertaining to watch, but it's also they're very, very physical. Yeah, they're very, they're physical. very physical. Yeah, which is another uh, way of saying they're very, they play dirty football. But Eintracht Frankfurt has allowed the least shots on goal in the entire Champions League this season. Yeah, that anything that just tells you. To be fair, their group was the weakest, but their average uh, xG against per game was just 0.34. That's it. That's <sighs> all they've allowed. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's group. pretty. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I and guess. Okay. I think uh, they. I would. I would give them forty percent chance as well. Yeah, I would give them I would... I would give them about 35%. But that's mm. I think so best case scenario Bayern, Dortmund and Frankfurt for the league, Bayern, Dortmund and Frankfurt make it to the next round, Leipzig get knocked out. I don't see any chance for Leipzig to be honest, but yeah, that's about it. And 
Worst case scenario, all the clubs. Worst case, all four, all four clubs go out, <laughs> and then we go yeah. back to being called farmers again. It's it's not. It, it feels bad. Okay, yeah. so I guess we should move on to our final topic then. Um, the which Bremen is preview. Bremen preview. First of all, let me ask you something. What do you know about Bremen? Because I'll be honest, other than the fact that Niklas Fulkrug is doing really well, I don't know anything about them. So, Werder Bremen have been having what you can say is a topsy-turvy season. Their most recent game was a 2-1 win against Schalke, but it was Schalke. So yeah, everyone really... wins, wins against Schalke. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much everyone beats Schalke. And uh, at the moment, they're seventh in the Bundesliga table, which is actually pretty impressive. Wow. And they have won six games, drawn three, and lost four. And they've scored 23 goals this season, which is That's not bad. joint. Yeah, which is which is joint fourth highest in the Bundesliga, which is pretty okay. amazing. And I, mean... I think we, you have already mentioned Niklas Füllkrug. He has been really good. But I think it's also the fact that the squad is supplying him really well. Like, mm. they've, they've, their games have also been very low-scoring games. So, in general, they've allowed very few shots on target. And I think their defense has been doing a pretty decent job. And Oliver Burke has been a really good supplier. He's also been good as a forward, but he's also been good at supplying, you know, Nicholas Fulkrug. And their team just looks kind of balanced. But... Overall, I don't think they have what it takes to beat Bayern. I think they have what it takes to frustrate Bayern, however. Like, they can definitely... Yeah, especially with the World Cup coming up, I guess Nagelsmann will be... Like, whether he likes it or not, some of his players will be power-saving for the World Cup. Yeah. Especially after what we saw happen to Fonzie with the hamstring. So they're going to be acutely aware that if they maybe just, just stretch a little bit too much, they might tear a muscle and then miss out on a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. So I can see that weighing heavily on their minds. And that, that is not a factor for Bremen. So hmm. that, that could be think, tough for us. So these are Bremen's past five results in the Bundesliga. So the most recent one was a 2-1 win against Schalke. The one before that was a 1-0 win against Heta Berlin. And then the one before that, they lost to Freiburg 2-0. The game before that, they lost to Mainz 2-0. And one game before, it was against Hoffenheim, and they won 2-1. So they're like a team that's super unpredictable in terms yeah, of Yeah, they're unpredictable. And they also lost to Paderborn game. in the Pokal. Yeah, that is also true. On but penalties. then, the game that I watched of them play this season was their two three, uh, sorry, 3-2 win over Dortmund. Now, that was quite something. Wow. That, that, comeback, was, yeah. that, that comeback was... Like, Dortmund was saving... You know, Dortmund were cruising and they didn't, Dortmund weren't playing well. I'll, I'll concede to that. But the way Werder came back and showed the mentality to come back and win after being 2-0 down in the 88th minute, <laughs> that that is the kind of mentality you need to be scared of as a Bayern fan, especially since we have a penchant for losing control in the last few minutes of games. You know, yeah. that's what happened I've... against, yeah, exactly, against so... what... Uh, I want to make a comparison with another team that I can draw a lot of par- parallels uh, with. Uh, I think Werder Bremen are kind of like the Fulham of the Bundesliga. Think Why? about it. Like, like almost all their attacks go through Mitrovic, okay. same as Fulkrug for Werder Bremen. They can annoy bigger sides. And we've seen them grab some really you know, surprising wins in the Premier League this season. And they can also be really shambolic, like once in a while. Like, they can have some terrible results. Like, I we mean, saw... So, they beat... You could say that about a lot of teams, this season, Werder Bremen. They beat Gladbach 5-1. Like, who doesn't beat Gladbach nowhere. except us? <laughs> like, I guess, yeah. It's just a trauma. Am I wrong? Just, 
Gladbach is so good against us that I just think they're genuinely a good side when they're just no, start they're not, they're not, they're not, yeah, yeah. they're not, they're not, they're not, it's just a mirage, you know, it's just they score uh, against us, they don't concede against us, and it's maddening, and you just get the impression that they're an amazing side, and then they go on to lose to Verda 5 1. It's just so surprising. Look, if Gladbach could play against other teams the way they play against us, they would win trebles every year, but they don't. Mm. It's just, it's just sad. It's just, it's unfortunate. Okay, so do you have a scoreline prediction for this game? Uh, For Werder, I think uh, it's going to be, surprisingly, it's going to be a clean sheet. And I think Uh we should, yeah, Hernandez and Upamakana in defense, I think we're going to keep a clean sheet. I I, I predict a 3-0 victory for Bayern. Okay, so I think it's going to be tougher because we are going to have to start, I think, Hernandez, you know, he might have to start at left back because Fonzie's out. And Sanisic, I don't know if he's going to be trusted to play there. If he is, then in my opinion, Hernandez won't play because then you'll have Pavard and Upamecano in the middle. I think after Delict seeing is, Pavard Delict, is centre-back, I don't think he might start there very often again. I, I, don't, I don't agree. I think Pavard has been fine at centre-back. He's not as good. No, I, think, I think he's amazing at right-back. Like he's, he's been but I think very, very, very is much better at right-back. Yeah, I mean... There's obviously the anti-Pavard agenda, but aside there is from that, no anti-Pavard agenda. It is simply a fair assessment of a player that I have legitimate reasons to dislike. Yeah, I think. Yeah, isn't that saying the same thing in another way? No, you're just repeating the I exact have, same thing. I don't have an agenda. Okay, I am perfectly okay. unbiased. All right. <laughs> Either way, I think Mazrawi is the better attacking wing back. Is that fair? He's definitely the better attacking wing back. But I think defensively, they're very similar. Like, Yeah, but I think... that just makes Masrawi better overall because we we defend by attacking. And Masrawi is better at holding possession. He's better at attacking. He's better at progressing the ball. He's better at pretty much everything else. He's better at passing. He's better at... Um, I think oh, Masrawi surprised me a lot in the fact that like he's such a good dribbler of the ball. Yeah, like, when sometimes was the last time we saw you know, right when he dribbles... It almost dribbles. looks. Sometimes I get confused when Masrawi dribbles. I think has, when did Buziala go there? Because he's kind of yeah. weirdly skinny. And if you are watching a slightly blurry stream, you can see you can kind of get confused between Masrawi and Buziala sometimes because they both very skinny and they have that slight good control of the ball that just just kind of I don't know. It it just confuses me sometimes. But that just speaks to how good Masrawi is. And I would be yeah, perfectly I was, I was comfortable. Yeah, I was telling you the other with, day. Yeah. I, I was telling you the other day that Mazrawi is almost like a right side Davies. Like it's just so perfect for Bayern right now that they have. And I was balance. telling you that Mazrawi to me reminds me of right back Kimmich. Yeah, but with more pace. With more fair? pace, maybe yeah. with slightly less of that midfielder s control of the ball. But, but yeah, he's yeah. more like Kimmich in my opinion than Davies is. Like than Davies. But my my opinion is that with Mazrawi performing the way he is. You should have Pavard in cent- in center back next to Upamecano. If Lucas isn't one hundred and ten percent fit, or if he is fit, then you should have Lucas at left back and Upa and Pavard at center back, so that you can have a more cohesive back line rather than putting Stanisic there. Because in my honest opinion, I don't have anything against Stanisic, but I don't think he should be playing at left back. He is not equipped to play that position at all. 
I think I think yeah, he's not looked very good uh, at the left back role this season, man. I, yeah, and I it's not his fault. He's not. He's ready. not ready. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. not ready for that. Kind of and thing. also, uh, I think Didier Deschamps might be calling Nagelsmann to tell him not to start Hernandez because he really needs that player. You know. Yeah, he <laughs> for needs. France. Like, does does he need him that much? He has his brother Theo, right? No, but Theo is a left back. Hernandez is going to be play left a left center back. I'm guaranteeing you this. Oh, Hernandez is going to be playing center back. Will start a center. They don't have anyone else. France. No, he's just the best. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, fair enough, but still, like, okay, that's pretty crazy, actually. France having both the Hernandez brothers, both of them are so, both is one is a world class center back, another is a world class left back. It's just nuts. I, I mean, it's it's less left- nuts than Bayern having Davies and Hernandez, but it's still nuts. The, the France defense is going to be three Bayern players and one player from anywhere else. That's how it's going to be. Yeah, Pavard, Upamecano, and Hernandez will start. Yeah, yeah. If they get I guess I guess we're in agreement. I'm a little bit worried, you know, about Thomas Muller. He's still not training with the team. I'm. It, it's it, he. I know he's not supposed to come back before Schalke, but as a member of the Muller Mafia, the last time I saw Muller in action was him scoring a, a goal ago. and then yeah. just walking off against Pilsener. And I'm genuinely yeah. starving right now. I need Muller content. I can't. I can't keep watching football without Muller. It's like it's, it's not scratching the itch. Like I, I need more Thomas Muller content. Mm. I so so I think that once Muller comes back, it's back to the wings for Muziala. So in that no sense, problem with least, that. yeah, in that sense at least, I think we would get to play the best possible front line because I think in the Champions League he's like immensely valuable. So yeah. I don't mind if Nagelsmann rests him because the World Cup squad really needs him. Without yeah, him, the World Cup is they have no direction him. up front yeah. in the attack. And you don't have Timo Werner as well, which means that... Yeah, you don't you have Timo Werner. Have to but play. He, he might have full crew. Which, who we will, might he, we might see. But apparently, full crew... Full, I, I should point out that full crew might miss the Bayern game with like a back problem. I don't know. It's not confirmed yet, but he might miss it. So that would be okay. a huge loss for them. I think the only way Hansi Flick does not play Timo Werner is if he gets injured. And that's what like, happened. So. Yeah, exactly. So he's kind of forced to play Kai Havertz or Fulkrug up front. And yeah. that means Thomas Müller, Muziala and Zane should be expected to start. For yeah, they should be. So many games. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I think that's all we have to say for today. Wait, so what is your you. prediction for the... I don't do predictions. I don't do predictions. You want to break the pattern no. this month? No, I don't want Never. (laughs) Okay. So I think that's all we have to say for today. So thank you for listening. This was I Need No Name and Schnitzel on the Bavarian Podcast Work Show. We are available on whatever podcasting platform you like, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever. Follow us on Twitter at Bavarian FB Works and join us on the blog to join the discussion. We will see you next time, which will probably be our post-game reaction to the game against Werder Bremen. So thank you for listening and good night.